InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. What's the true cost of our nation's addiction to oil? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall has tracked down an expert to get the facts. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Sometimes the world's problems seem so big, we wonder if one person's action can have an impact. Our guest today says yes. Terry Tamanen is one of the country's premier experts on oil, global warming, and politics. He's author of the book Lives Per Gallon, The True Cost of Our Oil Addiction. Welcome to InfoTrack, Terry. Thanks for the invitation. This subject is just so huge. Please tell us, if you can, briefly about your theory. Tell us about the journey of a drop of oil and how it impacts the environment and people. You're right. It is a huge topic because we are addicted to oil and all of the impacts that have occurred. That drop of oil, of course, starts deep in the ground. And now, as we're going to greater and greater lengths to get oil deeper in the ground or under the ocean, much of it gets lost in that transaction, just getting it up out of the ground and into pipelines or tankers. There's lots of spills every year. Many more times, the Exxon Valdez, we actually spill every year just in the transferring of crude oil and getting it to the refinery. Once we do, a lot of it goes literally up the chimney, and we now know about cancer, much greater incidences of cancer as much as 30 miles downwind of refineries, many more spills. In fact, the greatest oil spill in history is 252 million gallons, or about 20 times the size of the Exxon Valdez spill, which was under a refinery out of sight in groundwater that now, of course, can't be used for humans to drink. And then more of that drop of oil gets lost on the way to the gas stations, even when it's being pumped into your car. I mean, we've all had the pump in our hand and drops of gasoline down on the pavement. And then much of it comes leaking out of our cars, and much of it, when it gets combusted, isn't fully combusted and becomes smog out the tailpipe. So that journey is more of a slalom, and not all of it gets put to productive use. What is your strategy for ending the dependence on oil? Threefold. First is, of course, public awareness and people doing what they can to conserve. The second part is moving beyond petroleum to alternatives. I'm in my hydrogen-powered car at the moment. The third is holding oil and auto companies accountable. But in reality, we are all responsible as well. We can all drive whatever vehicle we drive more efficiently. And I put a lot of tips in the book for how to do that and save 10 or 15% of your gasoline. And then we can move and be adopters of alternative technologies, whether it's natural gas-powered cars or biofuels or battery electrics or what I think will actually be a major transition, hydrogen. Yeah, talk about that. This is something that obviously is not available widely around the country. Some people have been reading about it. My own thought is a lot of these newer technologies, they're kind of experiments and outside the reach of most people to access or afford at this point. Most of them really can't supplant the majority of our petroleum use, but hydrogen can because it's the most ubiquitous element in the universe. And the great news is that you don't need refineries or Saudi Arabia to get it from. Hydrogen is all around us. It's in water, so, you know, we could even take treated sewage water and break the hydrogen out of that and put it in our cars. We can get it from decomposing farm waste or even urban green waste. So whatever you happen to have handy in any part of the world, you can get hydrogen out of in a variety of different ways that are fairly simple. They don't require major technical engineering degrees as you would if you were building a refinery. And the real challenge, it's not the technology, it's 
who would build the fueling infrastructure if there weren't a lot of cars that use hydrogen? And of course, the car company is saying, well, we can't build the cars until we know the fueling infrastructure is there. So in California, we created the Hydrogen Highway Network to solve that problem. We've got 30 stations already and a couple hundred more on the drawing board that will help answer that question and allow companies to mass produce these and make them affordable to everyone. A fuel cell, which uh, is in my car, basically the hydrogen is converted by the fuel cell into electricity. So I'm driving an electric car, but instead of taking eight hours to recharge heavy batteries, which automatically make the car less efficient just because I'm carrying around all that weight, instead of that, I get the benefit of five minutes of refueling of hydrogen every two or three hundred miles and no extra weight, but still an electric car. The concept of electric cars are pretty exciting to a lot of people, and it's something that just conceptually it's easy to grasp, but it's the price tag that is really putting people off at $40,000, the only one that's kind of in the design phase. And my understanding is it's not the design of the car that causes that price tag, it's the battery technology, which is something very difficult to get around. Well, that's true, but again, I think that that's where we as consumers have to get a little more educated because the price of your transportation, let's say you buy your car and sell it after five years or you lease it for five years, the entire cost of your transportation in that five-year period is not just the purchase or the lease of the vehicle, it's also the fuel. And so those who drive gasoline-powered cars have seen just in the last six months gasoline go up and now it's back down. But that unpredictability is hard for families and businesses creating budgets. And so the nice thing about an electric car or a hydrogen car is the predictability. And so if there is a higher cost up front, but your overall operating costs are less, remember with an electric car or a hydrogen car, you don't have oil changes, you don't have spark plugs, you don't have all the waste heat that creates a lot of problems in terms of maintenance. So these things are very cheap to maintain and own and operate once you buy them. And then like anything else with mass production, the initial price will come down too. Let's get back for a moment to conservation just in terms of driving a regular gas engine. During the recent spike in gas prices, people were paying an awful lot of attention to alternative fuels and energy efficiency. And now that prices somewhat receded, are you finding people are returning to their old excessive driving habits? Well, not so much yet because with the downturn in the economy, even at $2 a gallon, I know many people who were planning vacations and are not driving out of town because even at $2 a gallon, those extra tanks of gas are just something that are unaffordable. So I don't think too many people have rushed out to buy a Hummer in the last couple months as prices have gone down. And I think as the economy returns and people might be tempted to do that, the price of gasoline will go right back up because it is supply and demand driven. And those high costs were because of demand globally. China, India, as well as Europe and the United States competing for petroleum and for the refined fuels, which is what drove the price up. You don't feel there was speculation involved? Sure, but I don't think it was any significant part of that $4 cost we call it speculation and we say it's a bad thing when it comes to a commodity like oil, but when we buy a stock and sell it at a profit, we just call it smart investing. So I, I think there was certainly no manipulation or illegal activity that anyone has been able to prove. The reality is that we just have not kept pace with refineries that we have, in fact, hit peak oil, which means we're not discovering new sources of petroleum as fast as we're consuming what we discovered previously. And we are in, as when the economy was really good, and it will be again, 
China, India, these other emerging economies are gobbling it up faster than we are. So again, those dynamics will continue to make the price of gasoline not only higher in the future, but there will be periodic shortages. And I think that will drive people to these alternatives, either using it more sparingly in their own vehicle, finding mass transit, or turning toward these alternatives we're talking about. We're talking with Terry Tamanen, author of Lives Per Gallon, The True Cost of Our Oil Addiction. Terry, what do we need to start doing right now as individuals and, I guess, as a society to gain energy efficiency and independence? Well, a few things. And first of all, no matter what you drive, even if it's an SUV or, you know, a vehicle that's not all that fuel efficient, and some people, by the way, need those cars. They've got a big family or a business that requires it. So it's not so much what we drive, but how we drive it. All of us can get 10, 15, even 20% better gas mileage by doing a few simple things. Make sure the tires are inflated, the air filter is clean, avoid jackrabbit starts when you're at the stoplight, you know, accelerate smoothly and so on. When you're on the open freeway, instead of being tempted to do 70 miles an hour, keep it to 60 because that extra 10 or 15 miles per hour actually costs you as much as 15% of your gas mileage. Take the extra weight out of the car, you know, that extra even 10 or 20 pounds of the golf clubs, the bottles of water, whatever it is that you're not actually using all the time that's rattling around in your trunk actually makes you 2 or 3% more fuel inefficient. And there's ways to sort of eco-drive, if you will, that can save money and save fuel. The book is called Lives Per Gallon, The True Cost of Our Oil Addiction. And is there a website listeners can visit, Terry? There is my own, which is terrytaminen.com or livespergallon.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today on InfoTrack. Thanks so much. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks.